Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. Okay, today on the show, we have Massachusetts-based designer Katie Rosenfeld. Katie's design style can be summed up as happy, family-friendly, and approachable, but it's Katie's ability to approach traditional design in an unexpected way that makes her work stand out. She blurs the lines between classic and modern with bits of quirky added for good measure. Her work has been featured by numerous publications, including Architectural Digest, New England Home, HGTV Magazine, and House Beautiful. Plus, she's launching a new collection of bathroom vanities sold at the trade called Vanity and Company later this year. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we do have a theme for today. We're going to be talking all about traditional design with a twist. And I'm sure this is a phrase that all of our listeners have read about or heard about. And I think it's a theme that's always, I mean, you know, we've been talking about traditional with a twist for like 20 years, you know, like it's sort of an ever-present theme. But I think that's because so many of us love traditional design. It feels familiar, comfortable, has that nostalgic quality to it. But we don't necessarily want to feel like we're living in our parents' home or grandparents' home. So Mm -hmm. how do we make it feel uniquely ours? I think that's why it probably appeals to so many of us. But what does traditional with a twist mean to you? Where's the twist in your work? I think, I mean, that's a good question. And I think I I agree with you that that's sort of become and always has been sort of a tagline for a lot of our bios, so to speak. Traditional has gone sort of in and out and way back in favor. I think for me, I've always been a staunch traditionalist and I've always been a big sort of granny chic end user. So it never went in or out for me, but I think the twist comes definitely when you start adding things like contemporary art. I think that lighting, contemporary lighting can really freshen up an otherwise really super formal space. I also think you can do things like add really casual elements to an otherwise really formal traditional space. So for example, like let's say you've got this super fancy dining room with mural paper, maybe add a sisal rug or a seagrass rug to take the formality down because what would be expected would normally be more of sort of an old antique rug or something handwoven. So I think it's a juxtaposition and adding a little curveball into what otherwise would be a very traditional design that makes it feel less frumpy or less staid or less predictable. Oh, I love that idea about the the natural fiber rug. And I think that that's mm-hmm. something we all do so innately with fashion, but is not necessarily a thread you weave through specifically in your, you don't necessarily think like, oh yeah, I need to like dress it down. That's something mm-hmm. that we have in our fashion vocabulary, but for yeah, sure, it's sort of funny that it's not as much in, you know, I mean, I think obviously for you, but for a lay person, it's not as much in their, in their way of thinking. Yeah. I mean, I think that traditional, it's a funny term because it outlives and stands the test of time, right? It always has been, always will be. But if you sort of let it age, 
it can become staid and frumpy. You you still <laughs> have to you still have to update it. Yeah. So those are some ways to do it. And I think that the easiest ways for people are it's not so much textiles because if anything, textiles are like they endure the test of time. You know, I'm still using fabrics from that were originally printed in the 1930s. So, mm-hmm. so that's not really where you do it or how you do it. In my opinion, it's more sort of in technical things like lighting is a huge one. I love putting really contemporary lights in a floral wallpapered room. Mm-hmm. So, well, you do, you do this in your rooms as well, but I do feel like the curtains can have the sort of the same effect as the rug where maybe you just do a simple white mm-hmm great drape but then everything else feels very traditional but then that just plain kind of white mm-hmm. like you said dresses it down a little bit yeah for sure well katie does the opposite too she does like i was when studying your work you'll have just a nice soft white room and then the drapes are like some antique fabric right. um, and you're like yeah or the reverse totally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think that's the way that i started to decorate i always used the sort of show stopping or lead roll fabric as a drape but that began to bore me and as I been <laughs> the formula yeah well yeah. it's sort of I mean I am self-taught right so mm-hmm. it's not like I really ever had anybody tell me how to do something or or went to school or anything like that so I learned by doing and the most obvious thing is to use the most pattern thing on the windows but if you keep doing that, it does become kind of rote. And so over time, I started sort of flipping the equation in many ways. I like to use what ended up happening, I think, with me and my own personal style is that I ended up just using more and more and more and more pattern. And that's my favorite way to decorate, I think, would be to use pattern on pattern on pattern on print on print on print. But some people just, you know, don't have the appetite for that. And so swapping that ratio and putting the really big traditional pattern on upholstery is something that is a really fun way to make something look unique and fresh. Whereas I guess 50 years ago, it would have been seen as very staid. It's now like super fresh again to have a floral upholstered Mm -hmm. sofa or chair. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the, I know what the appetite for for florals is right now. I think we're all loving floral. I mean, it's in fashion. Mm -hmm. There, you know, Uh every dress out there is like a floral dress and Mm -hmm. florals are everywhere and in interiors as well. But do you feel like that is going to start waning a little bit? What do you think is happening there? Well, for me, it never, it never wanes, right? <laughs> so it, it, it never, like, the, they're the, always in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, so, so there's that. So for me, I'll never stop using them, but I will say one thing, there are certain things that, again, I consider timeless florals, stripes, checks, chinoiserie, all of these things to me, are design sort of staples, the design mm-hmm. 101 that you can use mm-hmm. in any genre, whether you're doing contemporary, transitional, or traditional. But I do think, unfortunately, and much to my chagrin, that sort of what I fall into doing naturally is this sort of, I hate calling it grand millennial or granny or whatever, whatever the, the sort of colloquial term for it is. It kind of bothers me because it's so timeless. And I, I hate to think that it, 
would or is trendy, would be or is trendy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I do think if I'm being honest, I think it's having a moment, especially with the younger crowd. And like anything, it will it will pass and we'll be on to something else. But not me. <laughs> I mean, I'll keep doing it. And I think the key is to keep reinventing it in a fresh way. When you find something that you feel is sort of your staple or your go-to, you stick with it. And florals have been one for me. Mm -hmm. Pattern in general is one for me. I just, I have tried so many times to do projects without pattern and it's, it's just, I can, I can do it. It's just, I don't feel like you're getting the best of me when Mm -hmm. I do it. That's fair. Okay. I have to say, I'm so glad you said you hate that term because unpopular opinion, I hate that term so much. Yeah. Grand millennial. I just, I don't know. None of us like to be painted into a box either. And I think stylistically, you don't ever want to be told, oh, like even fashion wise, what you are. Right. No, I totally, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that just like in anything, I think this social media age and the age of podcasts and the rest of it, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just continually hammered with imagery Mm -hmm. and information. And back in the day, you used to be able to say something or do something or put something on and feel really unique and not see yourself coming and going, as my mother would say. But now, let's say I have this wonderful scheme for a room and I'm super jazzed about it. And I think it incorporates all these really unique sort of special things. I could go online and image search and within a month, I could probably see somebody else has either already done it or is doing it now. Yeah. That always was the case, but originality wasn't so, we we weren't robbed of originality by social media. And I think everything has a label and everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And to some degree, it's a real buzzkill, but I just sort of, I just ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even scope of of projects, and I'm sure you feel this way. I'm working on something for my own house. And by the time it's actually installed, I already feel like whatever color I picked is now like throughout the, it felt fresh when I picked it. And now to your point, now Mm -hmm. I've seen it. Now it's done. Now I'm like, well, and it's not even installed yet. And you start to question just where your heart is because you're like, is it? Like, why am I over it? I loved it. I picked it. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be over it just because I've seen other people do it. I guess it's you more. just have and- to tune it out. You just have to tune yeah. it out. And also, I'm a big believer because obviously I'm a I'm a color person. I love color, but my own personal philosophy is always keeping the backdrop neutral and working color in in big ways, but in small pieces. So. I love to Mm. do it in different textiles that I use for layering, but hardly ever will I do a red sofa or a yellow sofa. I'll Mm -hmm. usually do Mm -hmm. a off-white sofa or a beige sofa or a navy blue sofa and layer it up that way. So one way to sort of avoid getting stuck in that trendy world that none of us want to be stuck in, I think, is keep the big pieces neutral and save your color that you pick for things that can be swapped out more easily, I guess, is the best way to describe it. 
And yeah. I'm definitely trending towards doing that in my own design too, because you don't want to date yourself within five minutes. It's frustrating. Or you could be like me and just not look at social media. <laughs> and then, and yeah, then probably, smart. <laughs> probably smart. Yeah. Well, I loved what you just said. Big ways, but on small pieces, mm-hmm. like big gestures, but on the little things. I love that idea. I think, I think often we kind of go the opposite. We're like, oh, we need to make one big gesture. But when you make lots right. of little little Easter eggs kind of mm-hmm. very special moments. And and, I, and one thing I do love about that too is a lot of times your furnishings are things that you experience like on a micro level. You know, you don't necessarily notice a trim until maybe you're sitting on a chair and you're really right. like up there in it or like a lampshade. You may not notice mm-hmm. a subtle pattern in a lampshade until it's like right there in your eye. And so it's almost more exciting when you're getting to see it really up close. For and sure. It's like, sure. oh, oh, wow, I didn't realize that this had a gold lining on the shade or something. I don't know. I'm making it up. but Right. But speaking of, I mean, those are two things that are having, again, a resurgence right now. So dating historically in Victorian times and other historic times, people used a lot of decorative trim and then it went very out of style. And now it's way back in. And it's never gone out for me. I mean, I've always been a fan of you know, crochet and a tassel and a fringe and Mm -hmm. this kind of thing. But bullion fringe and things like that are having a huge moment. And it makes me happy, but also makes me sad because these are things that are historic, right? And you just don't want to abuse them. You want to respect them and make sure that they continue to have the the appeal that they should have. But like anything else, you know, they'll go out of favor for the sort of trendy set. But if you mm-hmm. really are a traditionalist, you'll just do like me and just keep using them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's back up just a little bit. And I, cause I want to talk about where this traditional bent comes from. Do you think that Boston and your town have anything to do with your love of traditional design? I'm not really a Bostonian. So oh, no, okay. um, <laughs> believe it or not, I am from Florida. Yeah. I am. So I, yeah, born and raised in Florida, huge family in Florida and in the South in general, where I feel like decorating is a different animal than it is in the Northeast. I think if anything (laughs) Mm -hmm. up here, it's particularly in Boston, which is very Yankee as opposed to New York, where people sort of. Yeah, that's not. (laughs) pull out the stops, right? People in in Massachusetts tend to be really super practical and not quite as adventurous, I would say, with their designs. But in the South, I feel like I grew up with a mom who always had a decorated home and Mm -hmm. was always decorating and redecorating. And so this is sort of the mindset you grow up with, regardless of your socioeconomic class, I think in the South, it's very common for families to sort of dress their homes and then redress them. And for holidays and for seasons, you know, things are sort of always a little bit more pronounced and over the top down South. Mm-hmm. And that's, true. that's the mindset that I grew up with. So when I came up here, in college and then beyond. I lived in New York for a while, lived in Los Angeles for a while, back to Boston. I think if anything, I was the outlier in the sort of over the top traditional thing. 
everyone else mm. here seemed to be falling into the sort of gray, beige, black, white category. And I was the one that was doing sort of the old fashioned frumpy stuff, if you will, when it wasn't necessarily in favor. And it'll happen again. You know, the, oh, the, yeah. the market will turn again. And, you know, <laughs> what, but, you know, I honestly think that you have to be you, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to do what feels right for you. And my, what I do is always, it has to always change or else it would be just a snooze, right? So I always mm-hmm. have to find ways to adapt it and to um, modernize it and to make it feel more current. Um, but again, that's the same thing. Like I remember being pregnant with my eldest daughter, Anna, and wearing overalls. And then all of a sudden it was like, you can't wear those overalls. They look horrible. They look totally out of style. You look very 90s. And now I'm wearing my overalls again. So, <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you get yeah. what I'm saying. What goes yeah. around, well, I guess around. I just, I feel like Boston would have such a great crop of amazing historic homes that it seems as though that traditional, but with a twist style would just work so effortlessly in so many different people's homes. And so that's why I guess why I always picture Boston being, you know, this traditional space, but. It does, but I think not necessarily in the way that you would see it in the South. Like Mm -hmm. people up here, I don't think, and I don't know if it's the weather or, you know, that whole sort of Yankee, very sort of sensible, thrifty mentality, but people just don't necessarily on the whole go for it as much yeah. up here. You'd be surprised. Well, you know, we had a couple of years ago, we had someone on uh, Susan Sully, I want to say on the podcast, and she wrote a book all about how the reason the South has that cultural sort of touch tone is because we always entertained at home. Like it was, mm-hmm. it's just a very, because it's, you know, was so rural, we, there were not restaurants and places to go out. And so people had to have, their house was there their entertaining space. And so it's a lot more of a focus, whereas in other places. I agree with you, Caroline, just living in a city where history and historic homes is not Mm -hmm. as um, prevalent. It, uh, you know, I get really excited to, I I think that's why I'm jealous. Like, I'm like, oh, you must just be surrounded. And um, even seeing your own home, I was like, oh, that's so good. So I think that's where my mindset, too, to your point, is like, I feel like, oh, it's got to be everywhere. And no, I know it's not. but Mm -hmm. And even so, I mean, again, you would be surprised. It's really cold up here and people are really, their homes are their havens, I think, in a different way because we're stuck in them so often Mm -hmm. because of the inclement weather. But, you know, that doesn't mean that people want to have chintz drapes. I think Mm -hmm. everyone up here, again, is very practical. And Mm -hmm. is it Mm -hmm. is the sun going to fade it? Is the cold going to affect it? So it's all about, yes, it's Mm. traditional, but we also have a big city, right? So with the big city comes the high rises and with the high rises comes the sort of the rote kind of default to modern aesthetic, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily my cup of tea. Cup Natural. Of, well, it's not, it's yeah, not, it's not what I can do, right? It's mm-hmm. not what I offer. 
that mm-hmm. well. I mm-hmm. can do it. I have done it. I'm doing it right now. But I, as I said, I feel like my clients who ask me to do that are getting like they're getting a different part of me, but not necessarily my yeah. bread and butter, what I'm best at. Yeah. Um, and there are historic homes up here and there are tons of them and they're gorgeous. But just because they're, I mean, how can I say this? Just because there are lovely historic homes up here doesn't mean that everybody will decorate them in, in, in a way that respects them. Number one, that's fair. Decorating to me is such a personal thing and it really, you have to want to do it. You have to want to spend the time. You have to want to spend the money. You have to want to take on the pursuit of it. A lot of times the practicality of the Yankee mindset, people just don't care as much. Does that make any sense? No, Um, you know, everybody has said that it's a luxury. Like this is, Mm -hmm. you know, having your home designed and decorated is a luxury. So to your point, when it, when they're too practical, I can see how you're like, no, you need this chance. This will make the room. And and they're like, ah, do I? And you're like, no. But see the price tag. Yeah. Yeah, And you'd be surprised. I mean, again, people up here just aren't sort of as showy or ostentatious, really. Mm -hmm. If I were in New York, maybe it would be different. And certainly when I lived in Los Angeles, but Boston's a really kind of, it's the most conservative liberal place you'll ever find. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I do think there's a certain exuberance in the South that we like in all things, whether that's food, fashion, mm-hmm. houses. We can Definitely. go over the top. <laughs> okay. I want to get to some practical points yeah, because yeah, you, I have yeah. seen your work and I'm ready to like, everyone needs to know how to do it because you do it mm-hmm. so well. Okay. <laughs> you even said it like chintz has always been in for you, but you're reinventing it and doing it in new ways. What was the latest way you used chintz? I'm using a lot of it now. Well, it's hard because it's cotton, right? So it isn't Mm -hmm. the most practical thing. And it's certainly not practical with a family. So you're almost relegated to using it as either decorative elements like pillows or drapes. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to use it as drapes, you know, it's kind of decadent. It will, it will get sun faded if it's not lined properly or if it's in a really sort of warm climate at the beach or something like that. Right now I'm using a lot of chintz, but again, I, I have to think of it when I decorate a house, I want it to look good 15 years from now. And I want my clients to still love it 15 years from now. And the biggest compliment, I guess, that I would consider would be for somebody to call me to do another home, but not to read. I, I actually mm-hmm. might hurt to have somebody call and say, I want to refresh what you already did. Because <laughs> the, I think the sign of doing something timeless is having it last, right? You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to redecorate for a long, long time. Um, but I'm digressing. So what have I used chintz for? I don't necessarily think I'm using it in different ways. I think I'm just using it liberally. Mm. Okay. That's totally good answer. Sorry. I do think that we need to mm-hmm. describe chintz to our listener who maybe is not as much a traditionalist as you. Give just like mm. a 20-second chintz lesson. What is that so <laughs> it's printed or blocked fabric, right, with a pattern on it. And typically it would be floral. It can be glazed, which makes it kind of shiny. Or it can be unglazed, which um, is is a little more matte. Um, but it's 100% cotton. So there's no linen. There's no poly. There's no other fabric content in it. So it's very light and airy and sort of it has like a very sort of sundress, summer sundress kind of feel. 
to it. Mm -hmm. It's not extremely durable. So it's not something that you would use on upholstery unless, you know, the home is one that's being used rarely, or if you've got clients who are super precious about the way they live and, you know, they're going to put plastic on the sofa or something like that. But for <laughs> my guys, I mean, it, it would get ripped up, torn up in a second. So it's mm-hmm. delicate. Okay. Okay. What do you, to you, what is like the advantage of a chintz? I mean, to me, it's like the artistry. It's like, mm-hmm. it's art and like the color palette. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very, sa- the colors can be really saturated on that cotton right? Mm -hmm. When you see a print on linen and you see a print on chintz, it looks two different ways. And oftentimes there are fabrics like iconic fabrics, old fabrics that, you know, Brunswick or one of these really old sort of historic companies will make and they'll print it on linen and on chintz both. And you can put them side by side. And the linen has this sort of earthy sort of kind of almost sun dyed kind of quality to it. Whereas the chintz is really vibrant and Mm -hmm. really clean and really crisp and bright. Like in anything, if the material that you use to apply the color to is going to translate that color in a different way. And chintz to me is for someone who really wants to embrace that crisp, bright, sort of in bloom kind of feeling. Okay, I have more technical questions. You ready? Keep going. Keep going. I'm then? ready. Okay. I don't know if I'll be able All right. to answer them. You, this is something that I am cringing at because I grew up with it. So this goes back to like, how do we evolve things? But you do it so well. You got the super traditional pillows on the beds with the big, like two, three inch ruffled flange. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I knew I had that. <laughs> I know I had that on my bed. So to me, yeah. I'm like, I cannot do that. How do we do it? Because Very Laura you do Ashley. it so well. Yeah, that's it what it reminds me of. And I can't wash it from my brain to make it cool. <laughs> and then I was looking at Katie's work and I was like, why is, she, why is this working? Like literally sitting there being like, why is this working so well? And I oh, can't gosh. do it. You can do it. All the cool kids are doing it now, which actually makes me <laughs> makes me annoyed. You can do it, but you have to you have to juxtapose it, right? With something edgy and cool. So I think you're probably talking about I'm thinking of my own bedroom, which is just swathed in a really old Albert Hadley floral made by mm-hmm. Schumacher. And the wallpaper's the floral, the drapes. The drapes mm-hmm. sorry, actually aren't the floral, but every piece of upholstery is the floral. And I have shams made out of that same floral with a ruffle. But in that room, what you don't see is there's a tattered oriental rug and a kind of modern light fixture from Urban Electric on the ceiling. And I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I've got some really contemporary art in that room. So mm-hmm. if you kind of scan around the room and start dissecting it, all of the elements are actually disparate. And it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. Laura Ashley 1990. It feels like, wait, this is kind of cool. I would bet if if you had to remove all the art, you wouldn't think it was the room was as cool as you think it is. <laughs> That's fair. You also had a, so like a guest bed and you had a uh, needlepoint pillow in front that said, I can't, or something like that. I can't even, or something, mm-hmm. some silly phrase, again, to your point, that was a little more of a comic Jonathan mm-hmm. Adler feel. And then, yeah, and then this, again, big old ruffle behind it. And it worked fantastic. 
Right. I think Needlepoint is also having a huge moment right now, don't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think that's it. That to me, again, is all of the like grand millennial sort of trends. It all to me goes back to that artistry. Like I love, you know, I think we're in this world that's so, you know, processed and machine made and Mm -hmm. like global that having something in your home that has that really handmade quality to it, like a needlepoint or a trim or a, you know, even like a pleated lampshade. Like it, it's that artistry that I, that I find so appealing because it, there's not, it's bespoke. Yeah. It doesn't feel as, although I will say that pillow that you're referring to is actually something I bought at Furbish studio. Lest I make the readers think that I actually needle pointed it myself. (laughs) In your free time. Clearly did not. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, often it's funny. I know a lot of people who do needle point and I wish I were one of them, but I simply just don't have the patience or the attention Mm -hmm. span to do it. It would probably be really good for me to learn. <laughs> but I do think needlepoint, yeah, it, it all of those things sort of harken back to the days when people made everything from scratch, which mm-hmm. is a lovely nostalgic feeling that I think we all yearn for and crave, especially in this day and age when the world is just so upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants to feel sort of that feeling of cozy, homey, Whether it's in food, it's in fashion, it's in design, you know, I think all of that, there's a reason why that's also popular right now. And it's because things are so insane. Right. (laughs) You know, if things were different, I wonder if the trends would be different. I bet you they would. So, okay. I'm going to go back to your bedroom real quick and use that as an an example because I was curious. Okay. You say you have this Oliver pattern. It's in your bathroom too, right? It is in my bathroom. Like yep. she kept going, kept, kept but going then you got the um, yeah. the modern art. So I'm curious, which one was your starting point? Was it the art that then you wanted to contrast with the floral, or did you just love this floral and then you acquired the art to kind of? Oh gosh, it, no! I've had uh, yeah. I mean, the things that I have on my walls, I've had forever and ever and ever. So the art I had, but in a previous iteration, I'm trying to think what my bedroom looked well. Previously, I was in an apartment in Boston, a very modern apartment. So the same art lived with contemporary stuff. And then prior to that, I was in a really charming sort of Nantucket Cape style house that was incredibly traditional. And that art lived there. When I renovated the house that I'm living in now, I knew that I wanted to do a huge floral pattern in my bedroom. I just knew it. And I, I knew that that was the one. And no matter what I was doing it and that art was going to go in there as it always has been in my bedroom. So again, I'm a big believer of collect things that you love and it they'll work in any environment. And mm-hmm. so I just took what I would have stuck in my bedroom anyway and stuck it in there. And it, it works for me. My husband actually freaked out when I first picked that pattern. He thought it was really kind of homely and overwhelming. And it's also black and and gray and beige and brown. It doesn't have any color in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's unexpected. If you're mm-hmm. going to do a floral, you think you're going to get color. But in this case, there is none, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. I love that print. Um, just because to your point, it's like when you think floral, I think any one would go straight to multiple colors and it just was right uh, it's so impactful with its starkness but i'm really going through sort of like a brown black 
phase right now. Yeah, you were talking on your videos about how you're in like a muddy, you're like, I want it muddy. I think that again, I feel like I'm not the only one. Um, mm-hmm. I think of other designers that I respect a lot and their work right now, it's moody and and kind of earthy and muddy and you know, probably the goes again that, with our demeanor, like you were saying. Could we're be. All like, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I think I think just like anything, and all of those colors are also kind of translated into fashion. So like, mm-hmm. you know, even the past couple of seasons, you've seen the resurgence of like chocolate brown and mm-hmm. caramel and marigold and olive green and, you know, all of these things that maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago would have been like, yeah. you know, are really, really like dirty. They would have right looked now. dirty. Yeah. Right. And right now it right. does. It feels like you can bring in those tones again. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it is. We're all just a little, a little depressed. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it's just coming out of the pandemic. You know, it's just we've all been through such a historic moment, right? So it had to have some effect on mm-hmm. all of these creative pursuits, right? Yeah. Well, I love that we we um. Well, no, we. I was just thinking back to we did that episode about picking paint with Fran Keenan, and she talks about nuance as that, and that's kind of the word I always go back to when I think of like a muddy color because it's not, it's not clear. So it's not so obviously one Mm -hmm. shade. It's Mm -hmm. a blend of shades. And that is what makes it interesting. It's not hitting you in the face with what it is, I guess. It's more. Right. Moody. Um, Yeah. Right. But you know, if, if I'm being honest, a lot of these things kind of crack me up because, you know, I'm hardly a spring chicken in this industry. Um, I'm, 53. So not the kid on the block anymore. And I remember when Hunter Green and Burgundy and Gold were, mm-hmm. were thinking back in the 80s and 90s. Yes. And, you know, so God elegant. forbid you have a Hunter Green, <laughs> right? God forbid you have a Hunter Green room post, you know, 2001. I mean, people mm-hmm. laugh. And then here we are mm-hmm. with Hunter Green and Foxblood, yeah. I guess you call it now. It's no longer called Burgundy. Yeah, um, you just got to rebrand it. You got to rebrand the it, name. It and then exactly. Just yeah, that's all we're doing. Totally, <laughs> totally. Eggplant. Call it whatever you exactly. want. Exactly. Exactly. And you did a room in it recently. One of your work shows, again, a very uh, a striped sofa, a small stripe. And then you've uh, all the color is that deep kind of burgundy color again that mm-hmm. I should fully cringe because I remember my mom's house being totally. all the colors you said but it is very um it was beautiful the room you did was beautiful you had put in natural elements and the blinds behind mm-hmm. had that good feeling that it just felt really comfortable and layered and anyway all what we want right now like you said but had you been like it's going to be burgundy and hunter green I would have been like shut it down shut right. it down exactly See, okay. exactly <laughs> Taryn, I feel like you're branding this wrong. I I wonder if you're, okay, if you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at. I I would call that color wine. Oh, Because I would not use burgundy as the color. Yeah, you can't. I I will say, though, that I'm loving that purpley burgundy and that, that purple to me. We've long discussed my obsession with purple because I feel like for so long, like, no one would touch purple. Like you would never see purple, but I feel like it's more and more coming out. And it's, it is like a more purpley red versus a mm-hmm. 
90s burgundy. You know what I mean? Oh, I love the 90s burgundy. <laughs> See? So, I told you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, yes, I, bring it back. I'm not even, I think, I think you're right. I think it's just all semantics. I mean, it is country club hunter green that people are mm-hmm. painting their cabinets mm-hmm. right now. It's the most, po- green is the most popular color. And, you know, if See? you look at these images that people are really loving and all of these European kitchens that are getting so much attention, it's literally like Dartmouth Country Club Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On the dark and the light side. So, you know, I think branding has a lot to do with everything and mm-hmm. how you feed it to people, right? Yeah. So if you feed it to people that, you know, you want the walls to be hunter green with, pink gingham drapes and a, you know, moose hanging off the wall. No one, you're going to shut it down, but you know, you can package it differently and somebody will eat it up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm probably one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause you even, again, you have a, uh, you have like plates on the wall, which again, I would be like, okay, like not. Okay. I did love that plate wall, but I, the thing that, through well not through me but i loved about it i guess is it's very irregular which i felt like made it that was was juxtaposition you know like it was there was no credit for that plate wall because my client actually did that over covid so truth be told the wall is curved and very kind of wiggity it's not a straight wall and she just i think started collecting kind of old quirky pieces of transferware that she found on Cherish and Etsy. And, you know, like all of us during the pandemic, I think she started buying things online that she loved and formed this collection and she hung them herself. So, so in all <laughs> fairness, that I, can't, I, I can't take credit for that wall, but, but I have been known to do a good plate wall. And, and, and I do think in all of my work, I think there's a sense of imperfection that I find necessary in order to have it feel comfortable to me. Um, when mm-hmm. things look too orchestrated or too perfect, they feel really uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. So if something's like even like slightly crooked or an inch off, that is some an important element that I like to maintain. Not all of my clients are comfortable with it. Um, <laughs> you know, quite honestly, I think most people really like things to be just so. But I think there's something really cool and really warm and charming about something being just like slightly off. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in reality, you need a little of both in each room, probably some things that are just so and then some things that are off like you can't only have one. Right. Or I mean, the element of not matching, you know, that, that is a big thing for me. If everything Mm -hmm. in the room matches to me, that's really boring. I love to throw something in there that doesn't match at all, but works. And that's, I think, don't you think that's the key to like style? It's the key to dressing. It's the key to decorating. Mm -hmm. It's the key to cooking. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to throw in that curveball. Well, I also think that, like, it's way harder. I mean, I want to tell my friends, like, I have this one friend who is always like, okay, does this match? And I'm like, will you quit it? Like, you're making this way harder on yourself than it needs to be. The blues do not have to match. That would be, like, so difficult unless you're shopping in one place. I mean, sure, I'm not going to discourage you from going to Ballard and buying everything there. And then your blues will match. But... 
don't limit yourself to only mm-hmm. matching blues because then you have like this teeny, teeny, teeny pool of items that you can pick from. So, yeah. And also, again, I love it when something's a little off. So if you're mm-hmm. wearing, you know, a bunch of co- cobalt, I think there's something kind of cool about throwing some green or some turquoise or some yellow in there. Mm-hmm. I think just, you know, it's different people have different comfort zones, right? And mine yeah. is all over the place. <laughs> but there are a few instances where you do a lot of matching, like yes. your bedroom yes. or that great green dining room. So do, yep. so walk us through like, okay, when is an all over print your choice? Well, I mean, that's a very old way of decorating, right? And it's yeah. so simple mm-hmm. and so almost intuitive. Anyone can do it, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. You pick anybody one pattern, slap it everywhere. Right. Right. I think the key is, and again, I've been doing it a long time when it wasn't so much in favor as it is becoming now, but the key is just that the print is really compelling, that it's super mm. graphic or super strong in some way. And in the case of that dining room, I mean, that green fabric is so dense mm. that it's almost like nothing could compete with it. So when we decided to use it, I was sort of like, we have to just go full on camo or it almost loses its um, Mm -hmm. effect. And I think the same kind of thing goes for my bedroom. You know, that camouflage effect can be really, really cozy and calming. I've even done it with an animal print. Like many, many years ago, I did a bedroom and head to toe, you know, that Brunswick Latouche animal mm-hmm. print. That bedroom, I got an email a week, you know, about that bedroom. But for whatever reason, when you decorate that way, I think it's really, it can, it, it's really appealing to someone who likes that kind of thing and really unappealing to someone who doesn't, very polarizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, I think as long as the, you pick the right print, mm-hmm. it's super effective and it's as old as the hills and will never go out of style. Yeah. I just love a point of view. I think that's what it is. Like, even if I love or hate it, like the fact that this person went all in, like I love a commitment. Mm. And I think that's what I love about one of those, those rooms that are just like, they let the confetti go out and the whole room is all the same. And you're like, wow, okay, this is not my pattern. I don't want to live in this room, but I super appreciate the fact I mean, it's the same way I feel about right. people's outfits. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what's going on, but they really like they owned it. So yeah, I like that for sure. Versus sure. too with the that you know the pine hollyhock in your room or that green in the dining room, the pattern is so the the repeat is so big that you mm-hmm. almost have to do it on every surface because otherwise you're not really getting a full read. You're not getting mm, to right. see every part of the pattern. So. Right. Versus using it everywhere as you can see all the colors, all the different elements, which. Right. I mean, you really have to have like it is. And and I think, you know, you have to be sort of fearless in order to decorate that way and to to live with that kind of decorating. Some people look, I mean, my, my house, it's really only that room that is kind of swathed. The other rooms Mm -hmm. aren't. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a good you know, point. And, and, and the same with that dining room. I mean, it's more like a moment and especially oh, in a personal space, yeah. like a bedroom or a dining room where 
you know, you're not spending 24 seven, you can live with it, right? It's mm-hmm. easier to right. digest. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really great point. And in both of your, just photography too, that green uh, dining room, you've taken a picture from the outside too, and the walls are white and it's very calm. Right. And so your eye goes into the space. You're like, I want to sit in there and have a whole dinner. I want to like enjoy right. it. Right. Um, no, totally. It's a destination. I, it's, right. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, for me, having those kind of moments at home are fun to be able to walk into. I oftentimes find myself just meandering around my house like a crazy woman, just, you know, sitting in rooms. It, but it just gives when you really love your surroundings, I mm-hmm. think nothing feels better than being at home. Right. And yeah. having those kind of like sensory moments and having those kinds of experiences where you sit in a room where you're, you know, you're swathed in all this pattern. There's a certain, it's an experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think there's something nice about having a variety of feelings throughout the house because, you know, when you are feeling moody or nostalgic, you can go sit in your room that has more of that, but it's, you're not, there's like your house has a range of emotions to cater yeah. to your own range of emotions. You know? <laughs> For sure. For sure. But they all have to sort of coexist peacefully, mm-hmm. you know, because you can quickly go off the rails and have each room feel like Epcot, you know, like a different mm-hmm. destination. You don't want that either. Right, 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 right. right? You have to yeah. somehow you have to figure out how to connect all those dots. And that's the trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you have a, a a house full of disparate sort of experiences that don't feel related in any way. And, and that's no good either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we hire you. That's why we got to <laughs> call you. Or, <laughs> just someone to help guide us. Unless your theme is Epcot in which case true. you just, <laughs> that's you true. just go with it. <laughs> yeah. That's a popular one these days. The Epcot. <laughs> Theme. Okay. <laughs> I no longer can travel, so now I'm just going to make every room a destination. Yeah, right. Okay, so I will. Are you ready to help yes, us? I think, yes, with a decorating dilemma. For a dilemma. Yes. Sure. Okay. All right. Hey, so we have a question from Sarah. She says, hey, Ballard Babes, I love your podcast. I am a decorating enthusiast and find your show very informative and entertaining at the same time. Please rescue me from my master bedroom, sea of blue and beige. It's a large room with vaulted ceilings, but very little natural light. I plan to keep the upholstered bed, white armoire, TV, nightstands, table, lamps, and art above the bed. I'm leaning towards a masculine mid-mod organic style for this room, although most of my home is an updated traditional nostalgic. I have started a refresh, but I'm stuck on some key elements. I'm leaning towards dark and moody walls. Thoughts. If I go dark, what should I do about the ceiling? What colors and textures should I incorporate in my bedding? What window treatments do you suggest? What should I do in the corner where I currently have the armoire? Any suggestions for a light fixture that would work in the room? Thanks so much, Sarah. Where I don't do know I where you want to start. <laughs> what about a dark and moody walls? I love it. I think that would be great. This room has a lot going on in terms of pitch. So it's got a lot of ceiling angles, which can be distracting. So I would actually argue that I might not do a dark and moody color on the wall. I might do the wall and the ceiling and the trim all the same color so as to detract from all of those pitch 
issues. Mm-hmm. And I might take the dark and the moody and redistribute it either on the floor or throughout the upholstery or even like curtains and, and, and other textiles that the room needs. Because what the last thing I want is my eye focusing on all of those different ceiling pitches. So in my opinion, I would keep the walls super, super creamy and just neutral. And maybe since she's got such good ceiling height, what I might do is use dark and moody, again, redistribute it. This is a great room for art. She's got a, Mm. you've got a really nice contemporary piece over the bed. Work with that. Maybe run art all the way up that wall over the windowsill, do a huge, just loaded up with all sorts of really cool disparate pieces that you find and take the the dark and moody theme and maybe move it to the floor instead of on the walls. So since she's got wall-to-wall carpet, should she just put a big area rug down? Should she change the carpet? What's happening? What, what do you think there? Well, that depends. I mean, it all depends on what your appetite and your budget is. I think what I'm seeing is a repeat of solids in this room, right? So there's solid Mm. blue, solid beige, solid cream, and solid white everywhere. So the first thing that comes to mind is we've got to inject some patterns somewhere. And that either has to be in textiles or the, the carpet or both. If she can replace the carpet, I think that would be wonderful. Um, whether you replace it with another wall-to-wall broad loom that has a pattern, maybe you do a stripe, maybe you do mm. a check, maybe you do something that has a, a subtle pattern in it to break up all this solid. And especially if you're going to keep the walls and the ceiling consistent, I would love to see some pattern on the floor. You could also layer a rug over that if you don't want to replace the wall-to-wall carpet. You could easily get a big area rug and layer it right over that. So she asks about window treatments. What about doing Mm -hmm. something bold on the window treatments? For sure. I think that's the place to do it. Yep, that's definitely the place to do it. I think I would do drapery and keep... There isn't a lot of natural light here. So to me, using something dark and moody in terms of a drapery fabric would really warm things up. One could even argue if she wanted to reupholster her bed in that same fabric or in something mm-hmm. complimentary mm-hmm. that's really dramatic and moody, that could be really cool yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. And and light fixture, she's got great ceiling height. So be careful with proportion and scale and make sure it's big enough, but not too big. <laughs> but you you have a lot of license to do a lot of really interesting things with your light fixture because there's a mm-hmm. lot of ceiling height to play with there. Yeah. She should almost go like really oversized, it seems like, because she's mm-hmm. got so much volume up top. Definitely. And it could be multi-tiered. You know, it doesn't have to be just mm. one level. Um, and I think that that would really also help to make the room feel full if you had several different tiers instead of just one thing hanging from a rod um, to fill up that visual mass that's up above your eye. Okay. What about, she asks, what should I do in the corner where I currently have the armoire? Well, I, I would have to ask her a bunch of questions in order to answer that question, which is, is the armoire important for storage? Because, you know, we always have to think about function, right? And if mm-hmm. there's important stuff in there, and she needs the armoire, maybe she doesn't have enough closet space, or maybe you need it for clothes. It seems big for the wall. And you can't get your drapery stack on the left side if something is that 
big sitting there, maybe it should just move to a different location and open mm-hmm. up that wall for the drapery stack because it does seem kind of crammed in where it is right now. Mm-hmm. And um, if there is another place in the room to relocate it, um, I would choose to do it. Otherwise, I would, you know, maybe even the wall of j- perpendicular to it would be good so that it's not sort of crammed between the window and the corner. And yeah. then let your drapery stack, you know, have its full potential around the window. What is what are your thoughts on bedding? I don't have not necessarily just in this room, but in in <laughs> just in your design work in general. That's something I like that I personally bedding. struggle with. You like yeah, white bedding? I, I do, I do. Never off white, always white, even if the room is off white. And even if there is no white in the room, I just don't like an off white sheet. I like them to be white. Now I can play with patterned bedding, but not all patterned. I don't think I just can't Mm -hmm. live with it. Um, And nothing's better than white monogrammed bedding. You know, it just always looks fresh and you can Mm -hmm. play with patterned sheets underneath. So in this case, if she's going to be doing pattern on the windows and, you know, maybe throughout with other upholstery items, maybe, you know, a really classic white monogrammed lovely duvet with some moody pattern sheets mixed with some other white sheets. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love, but the basis should be classic and, and white, I think. The basis, like the foundation. All right, Sarah, I feel like we, we kind of hit on all of your, she asked about bedding, she asked about light fixture, treat, window treatments. I feel like we've kind of touched did it I all. Did I do okay? Do you think, she, yeah. did I answer the questions? Okay. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think she does. I, it's up to her I think now. she does just cream wall color, but then do the bed and the window treatments. And if it were me, I would put like a great chaise in that arm, in the corner where the armor is, that's in the same pattern as the. That could be great. Drapes and just, you know, yeah. I just don't know what I'm very cognizant right. of who is asking the question and what their budget is and, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah. of that. So that's I don't want to suggest adding something if that's not tenable, yeah. you know. Yeah. You're too practical for this question, Katie, is what's happening. But here's the thing. I do <laughs> think an incredible window treatment in a bold print, that will solve yeah. many of the problems she has. Mm-hmm. Correct. And the floor is a problem. The big blob of beige on the mm-hmm. floor. That's mm-hmm. that's almost the biggest the biggest hill to climb. Yeah. In well, maybe this because yeah. it's just a sea of solid mm-hmm. beige. And maybe you saying that will help her to realize that that's where she starts. And then from there, she can, you know, to your point, budget and pick and choose after, you know, paint the walls white. Then step Mm -hmm. three is Mm -hmm. change the furniture. Step four is lighting. So Mm -hmm. there's always that opportunity. But you gave her a good idea of like next steps for sure. Good. Because I think this is always the problem with dark walls is that ceiling because it's Mm. it's like if you do all dark walls and then you've got a white ceiling it like Mm kind of kills it a little bit for sure and also it doesn't really work in this particular setting because there's no molding Mm -hmm. there's no trim there's no crown yes there's there's no no easy way to break break the because i struggled with this in my own bedroom where i did dark walls i didn't want I mean, you know, my ceilings are low. And so I'm like, well, if the ceiling stays white, it's going to 
be all you see because it's just your eyes going to go there. So I did a kind of a mid-tone gray, but it doesn't really work as well when you've got this pitch like this. So yeah. Right. I think she kind of has to rethink that a little bit. Okay. Well, good luck. We (laughs) would love to see after photos and send us, you know, follow up. And thank you for writing in. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. We're so glad to have you listening. All right, Katie, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all of that good stuff? Sure. You can find me. You can find me <laughs> on Instagram. Let's see. What is my Instagram handle? I think it's just at Katie It's just Rosenfeld. your name. Katie Rosenfeld. Mm-hmm. Don't put an I like Caroline tried yeah, to. Don't, don't, don't do that. that. Yeah. Don't put an I <laughs> in there. Don't put an I or, a, a, you know, there are other suffixes that, that you won't want to put on there. And then my website is katierosenfeldandcompany.com. Brand new website. Just launched it, I think, two weeks ago. It looks great. Brand new website. Mm -hmm. And I don't do Twitter. I don't do Facebook. (laughs) um, And I don't do TikTok. You will never find me on TikTok. So don't look there. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same note, you do have a web series um, of little videos that are super fun. I do. So I do. Those are on YouTube. They're also on um, my website and on my Mm -hmm. Instagram. There are several different ways you can get to that. And that series, just so you know, um, that was not a planned thing. I ended up doing that series during covid sort of really off the cuff. It just sort of organically became a thing when I didn't mean it to be a thing. But during COVID, it was really super hard to get content um, for Instagram or really for any um, outlet. And I was renovating a house. So we just sort of did it and put it out there, um, not knowing if anybody would even look at it. Uh, everybody will, especially after they listen to this, because it was well worth it. I, everyone loves a reno. Everybody does. Yeah, Can't name a person fun. who does it. Everyone yeah. loves it before after. So they'll love this. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me on. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I could just look at your portfolio forever. There's just something. Good oh, my gosh. Watch, so. Thank you. It's so good. Yes. Mm-hmm. You definitely need to check out Katie's Instagram and her website and just get some good inspiration. <laughs> And especially that that green dining room in the bedroom. Oh, they're Mm. delish. Mm. (laughs) Thank you so much, you guys. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!